Chapter 3 The Divine Infant The scene now shifts to Gokula, where for the next twelve years Krishna beguiled his foster parents and the rest of the milkmaids and cowherds in a thousand charming ways. Those fortunate ones were able to dandle the infinite on their knees, to suckle the nourisher of the universe, to bind that boundless, formless one and hold him in the circle of their loving arms. There is no chapter in his life as touching as this. It explores the heights and depths of all the various types of love a simple, unsophisticated heart is capable of giving. Vatsalya Bhava, or the parents' love for their son, Sakya Bhava, or the boy's love for their friend, and Madhurya Bhava, or the girl's love for their sweetheart. For he was everything, son, friend, lover, saviour, and God. The moment his father left him beside the sleeping Yashoda, he opened his rosebud mouth and started yelling as if to say, What? Are you all sleeping when I enter your house? So also will I enter your hearts like a thief in the night. But once I am ensconced within, I'll leave you in no doubt as to my presence. The whole house which had been held in a sleep till then now sprang to life. Great was their joy when they found that the child which they remembered to have been a girl was really a boy, for this was the only explanation that occurred to them. A boy, a boy, the news spread like wildfire. A beautiful bonny boy has been born to our chief. The happy father rushed to the room and feasted his eyes on the delightful scrap of divinity which shone in his room. Loud and long were his praises to God. He made presentations of clothes, ornaments, cows and money to all for the well-being of his son. He had never expected to become a father in this life, for his wife Yashoda was already forty-five years of age, and they had almost given up hope of having, ever having a child. And now to be blessed with a son, and a son of such a delightful aspect, his joy knew no when morning came, the entire community of gopis and gopalas came to see the child with their little offerings of butter and milk and curd, which was all that they had to give. But this they offered in the pure crystal bowls of their hearts, and so it was more acceptable to the Lord than the costliest presents. All those who saw him loved him as if he was their own son, and there was, this was no wonder for God belongs to all equally. He was a source of unlimited bliss to the gopis, or milkmaids, who used to finish their housework as fast as possible and crowd into Yashoda's house in order to pet him and fondle him and exclaim over his sweet little ways. They forgot their homes, their husbands, and even their own children, and reveled in the bliss emanating from this divine child. From that day onwards, or Gokula, being the residence of Vishnu, became the playground of Sri or Lakshmi, who is the goddess of prosperity and auspiciousness. Since Kamsa was the king of the land, all the chiefs had to pay an annual tribute. So Nanda left for Mathura to pay the taxes with many anxious warnings to Yashoda, never to leave the child alone. Hearing of Nanda's arrival, Vasudeva went to meet him was very anxious to have news of his son, Krishna, as well as of his son by his wife, Rohini, 
was living with Nanda. Oh, brother, he said, I hear I have to congratulate you. It is indeed fortunate that you, who were childless till now, has got a baby at this advanced age. Lucky man to be the father of such a son. And what about my son, who is now living with his mother at your house? How is he? Ah, Vasudeva, though not an envious man by nature, yet he was filled with envy at the thought that Nanda would be enjoying the joy which should have been his by rights, and his wife Yashoda would be having the extreme pleasure of nursing his child, while his own wife would, could nurse only her tears, while her breast dried up, unwanted and unfulfilled. Bitter indeed was this thought, at least happy that the child was safe, but now having heard of Kamsa's edict on the massacre of her all children, he was filled with dread and warned Nanda. Nanda said, Alas, I have heard of all the calamities that you have had to bear, O brother. All things are in the hands of God. He who knows this will not grieve. Though he longed to hear more about his sons, Vasudeva did not like to keep him talk longer, for he feared for the safety of his sons, and thus he urged Nanda, I see ill omens, and I fear for the safety of your child. Return to Gokula immediately. Do not waste time in the city, and never leave the child alone, or show it to strangers. Nanda was terrified when he heard this, and went directly to Gokula in his ox-drawn chariot. In the meantime, a demoness called Putana, an expert at Inas, had at Kamsa's behest begun to move about in towns, villages, and settlements in order to slaughter all infants, regardless of their sex or age. She could travel anywhere in any form. One day she came to Gokula, taking on the form of an attractive young woman. She had perfected an ingenious method for killing infants. She smeared her breast with poison and nursed the babies. The result? Obvious. When she reached Gokula, she heard of the birth of a baby boy in the house of Nanda and proceeded there. Putana looked like a veritable goddess when she glided into the room in which the child lay sleeping. She picked him up without realizing that it would be her last act. Seeing her air of authority, both Rohini and Yashoda felt embarrassed to ask her who she was and remonstrate with her for taking up even though she appeared to be a stranger. Without hesitating, Putana placed the sleeping infant on her lap and proceeded to nurse him. It is said that the Lord deliberately feigned to be asleep, for he knew that if she looked into his wondrous eyes, even she, hardened sinner though she was, would repent and go away without killing him, and then his mission would be incomplete. Even so, as she gazed at his face, an overwhelming rush of maternal love flowed from her, and her breasts, which were incapable of yielding milk, gushed forth, and she forgot the poison which she had smeared on them, and gave suck to the child, crooning to him the while. But her lullaby soon changed into a swan song, for the little fellow, toothless though he was, held her breast in such a vice-like grip, and was sucking with such vigour that she feared blood was oozing away. She plucked at him and tried to tear him away, but to no avail. Sucking with gusto, 
He seemed to drain her of her vital energy. Screaming in mortal agony, she rushed out and assumed her demonic form. At last, with a roar of pain, she fell like a mountain in the middle of the courtyard, destroying the cowshed and hayrick. Her fall seemed to cause tremors in the earth and made the go and gopalas tremble and fear. This was the scene which greeted the eyes of the terrified father when he returned from Mathura. Where's the baby? Where's the baby? was a frightened clamor from all sides. Suddenly they saw the infant, fearlessly kicking its limbs in delight, lying on top of the monstrous form of the demoness. And the Gopalas hesitated in fear, but the Gobis rushed forward, for he is more important to them than their own, and took him up in their arms. They were amazed at how he could still be alive. They did not dream that he was responsible for her, the demoness death. God must have saved him in some miraculous way was a general verdict. They bathed him and did their occult rites for his safety, like waving cow tails over his body, smearing him with the dust from the hooves of the cows, and applying dried cow dung powder on the twelve vital part body, while uttering the sacred names of Vishnu. The child submitted to all these ministrations with secret amusement, and kicked and crooned with delight. Since they could not cremate this huge body in the compound, they had to hack it into bits and carry it far away to be burnt. They had expected a terrible stench to rise from the burning carcass, but instead the sweet smell of sandalwood filled the air. This was because Pudana had suckled Krishna and thus become free from every form of sin. If a killer of infants and a vampire like Pudana attained to mukti or liberation because she had fed him, then think of the glorious destiny of those who offered him all that was nearest and dearest to them, as his parents and gopis did. Those sacred feet of his, which devotees their hearts, and which are the refuge of even sages, were placed on her lap while he sucked at her breasts, with the result that even though she was a demoness, she got the reward due to the mother of God. What then can be said of the good fortune of those gobies and cows who fed him with the greatest of love? Never was mortal woman happier than Yashoda, wife and queen of Nanda, the mother of Krishna. Day after day she held him in her lap and fed him and played with him and cradled him to sleep, as if he was an ordinary baby, for not even she suspected the extent of his divinity. Bhutana was the forerunner of many other demons sent by Kamsa to kill him. They came in various forms and guises. Needless to say, none returned alive, and though at first none of the Gopalas realized they have the remarkable p powers possessed by this infant, yet slowly they started having some inkling of the vast storehouse of power which lay between those tiny arms. It was the third monthly birthday of the infant when the star Rohini came round for the third time after his birth, and it marked the ceremony of his being taken out of the house for the first time. There was a large gathering, and Yashoda bid amidst the chanting of mantras and having received the blessings of the Brahmins, she placed the drowsy infant under a cot to sleep. She kept a ring of little boys to watch over him 
and went inside to attend to the guests. At this moment the demon, Shakata, entered the cart, thinking that it would be easy to bring the cart down upon the infant and to kill him as if in an accident. But he calculated without knowing the powers of his opponent. At the very instant when the cart started to fall, he gave a kick with his tiny foot, and lo, the cart with all that was kept in it was thrown to the other side of the yard, and the de demon Shakata was killed. Of his body, however, there was no sign, for it is said that since the Lord's feet had kicked him, even his physical form attained liberation. Hearing the terrible cracking sound, everyone forward. What happened? What happened? They asked the children, who had been kept to look after the baby. The cart fell down, and this little baby kicked it and broke it with his feet, they said proudly. They gazed in astonishment at the baby, who was kicking his feet and gurgling happily, as if to confirm the truth of what the children said. These children are capable of making up anything, the adults said in disbelief. Yashoda snatched up her baby and caressed Petal's feet. Did you get hurt, my darling, she crooned. Did the cart hurt you? God certainly looks after your child, Yashoda, the other gobies exclaimed. Not having an inkling of the superhuman might of their child, the frightened parents arranged for many rites to be done for him in order to protect him from evil forces. After this incident, Yashoda was frightened to leave him alone even for a minute. One evening she was sitting in her lap, crooning to him and repeating prayers, when she first felt herself unequal to the task of bearing his weight, for he appeared to be growing heavier and heavier. What could the matter be? She felt that someone had cast an evil eye on him, so she placed him on a mat and went to the kitchen to get some condiments, which, when waved ab above an infant, were supposed to ward off the effects of the evil eye. Hardly had she disappeared that the child made himself lighter than usual, for he had known of the approach of the demon Trinavarta, who was coming in the form of a whirlwind, which engulfed the whole of Gokula in a cloud of dust, so that the entire settlement was plunged in darkness. While the tornado was thus raging, Yashoda was unable to see her child anywhere, and she collapsed in fear and started to cry. Trinavarta rose up into the air with the baby, but soon he was unable to bear the infant's massive weight, and the demon found his speed dwindling, until at last he fell down with a roar on a huge rock and dashed himself into smithereens. The Gopalas ran to the spot where the demon had crashed, and found the baby glowing like a sapphire atop the rock. Taking up the blessed child, they presented him to his mother. They were filled with wonder, apparently miraculous escape of the child. Poor Yashoda, till a child starts to crawl, most children can be expected to remain in the place where they have been kept. Having had a baby at such a late age, Yashoda was already an over-anxious mother, and to add to this, it appeared as if this child was accident-prone. She could never leave it alone even for a minute and be sure of finding it in the same place on her return. Though he appeared to be unscathed from these experiences, she had no method of knowing that this was due to his own powers and not due to some miracle. She attributed luck or providence. How could she imagine that within him lay the ability 
to protect the entire cosmos. It may have been to set her mind at rest that one day he showed her a miracle. As usual, she was sitting in her favorite spot on the veranda, overlooking two hues in the garden and worrying about all the dangers which might possibly befall her baby. With infinite tenderness, she contemplated on the cherubic face in her arms. At that moment, he opened his rosebud mouth, as if to yawn, and lo, the mother saw the entire universe in his little mouth. She stared, mesmerized. There was no doubt. The sky, the earth, the heavens, the stars, the planets, the sun, the fire, air, oceans, rivers, and continents were all inside her baby's mouth. For a split second she forgot herself and the baby and felt as if she was poised on the brink of endless worlds and the spectator of a mighty drama. At last she could bear it no longer and she closed her eyes and when she opened them again the illusion, if it could, could be called that, had vanished and she was just a mother holding her baby in her arms. Rohini, Rohini, she called. Come here. Tell me what you see in this child's mouth. I thought I saw something strange and wondrous. Rohini came running, and with great difficulty she managed to price open his little mouth and shoved her finger in, only to get a sharp nip for her pains. I know what's in this child's mouth, she told Yashoda. He's teething. That's what you saw. Yashoda shook her head doubtfully. The miraculous witness was already fading from her mind. But a lingering feeling of awe remained, and with it a certain degree of comfort. This child was not as helpless as he looked, she thought to herself. There was no need for her to worry so much over his welfare. He was capable of looking after himself. This thought comforted her, and this was just what the Lord wanted. At that time the great sage Garga, the priest of her clan, went to Vraja, at the instigation of Vasudeva, who had sent him there in order to perform the naming ceremony of his sons. Gargamuni, or sage, was noted for his skill in astrology, and Nanda welcomed him and requested him to perform the purificatory rites for his child, as well as Rohini's. Garga said, I am well known as the priest of the Yadus, and if I perform the purificatory rites for these children, Kamsa will come to hear of it and will take it as an indication that his foe is here and will take steps to kill him. So Nanda begged him to perform the ceremony in some solitary place without the knowledge of even the rest of the Gopalas. Since the sage knew everything and had gone there with the express purpose of naming the child, he agreed with alacrity. Thus, without informing anyone else, the ceremony was conducted to cow buyer with only Nanda, Yashoda, and Rohini as witnesses. First Garga took Rohini's child in his lap, since he was the elder, and named him Balarama, because of his great strength, as well as his ability to delight everyone. Next he lifted Yashoda's child, and placed him tenderly on his lap. The mischievous little thing gave him a sharp look, as if to say, You'd better give me a knife one which has never been heard before, and yet one which befits me and will be remembered by all to come, or else... At this moment the old man felt the baby hands give a sharp tug at his long grey beard, 
which dangled right up to the baby's stomach and was tickling him. Garga smiled and looked into those wondrous eyes, and his heart left his keeping forever. Krishna, that was the name for him. Krishna, the one who steals the hearts of men, so that one who has once come into contact with him belongs to him forever. Krishna also means he who is dark in color, for the baby was the color of the rain clouds during the monsoons. Garga then outlined the child's horoscope and told Nanda that since he had been the son of Vasudeva in a previous birth, he would also be known as Vasudeva. Numerous are the names with which this child will come to be known because of his qualities and achievements. Even I cannot know them all. Mark, O Nanda, this child is equal to Lord Narayana himself in respect of fame, prowess and excellence. Look after him with all attention. All those who harm him will be harming themselves, and those who love him will be ever protected. Krishna gurgled with delight. Here at last was one who realized his greatness, and here was licensed to perpetrate whatever mischief he wished to do. He decided to lead the inhabitants of Gokula such a dance that they would never forget him for the rest of their lives. Thus ends the third chapter of Sri Krishna Leela, named the Divine Infant. Hariyam.
ಬಿಡುವ 